0: Welcome back, my faithful friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. We're in the middle of Jeremiah chapter number 13. And sometimes the Lord gets our attention not just through words, but through things that we see. And in the first 12 verses of Jeremiah chapter 13, we've learned about the, the symbol or the sign of that belt, that sash, That Jeremiah was supposed to wear and then buried up by the river of Euphrates and then went and and digged it back out. And God used that as a symbol of how worthless a life can become when it's not dedicated to its real purpose. Uh, God's real purpose for his people is that they would be a close, intimate people to him, to reflect his glory to a world that needed to see the Lord and understand more about God. And yet, Judah had utterly failed in her purpose, and what a sign that was. And now verse number 12, I I think I said verses 1 through 12, but actually verses 1 through 11. Now verse number 12 is the second sign of this chapter, and watch what it says in verse number 12. Uh, Therefore, thou shalt speak unto them this word. So here's another thing that I want you expressly to say to my people, Jeremiah, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, every bottle shall be filled with wine. And they shall say unto thee, do we not know, do we not certainly know that every bottle shall be filled with wine? What, what does that mean? Well, it's a little bit obscure because this was a common saying back in those days. And the saying basically meant, hey, everything's going to turn out everything's going to work out in the end. Every bottle will be filled with wine. Don't worry about what we're seeing now. I know things look bad, but hey, the marketplace is going to rebound. Uh, We're going to get there. Uh, Things will pan out okay. You'll get better. The little euphemisms that we use even today to tell people it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It's all going to work out. Things have a way of just kind of working their way out. And so, Jeremiah, go say this to the people. You use this trite expression, and, and the people are going to say to you, we know that's what we've been saying. It's all going to work out. Finally, Jeremiah, you're saying what we agree with. You've been dooming and glooming, and you've been so negative, but now you're, you're seeing it our way. Yeah, the people are going to agree with you, Jeremiah. Now, think about it. Up until this point, what has God told Jeremiah. God has told Jeremiah, you're going to preach this message to them, and they're not going to believe you, and they're not going to like what you say, and they're going to uh, give you the scowl, but don't be dismayed at their faces. So up until this point, uh, there's going to be total disagreement with your message, but now say this, and they're going to say, we know, we know, but then watch the catch, verse number 13, then... In other words, after they agree with you, after they say, we already know that, Jeremiah, look at verse number 13, then shalt thou say unto them, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of this land, even the kings that sit upon David's throne and the priests and the prophets and the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. So God says, this is the way I'm applying that proverb. Oh, certainly every bottle shall be filled, but with the wine of my wrath, with my indignation, with my judgment. And it makes no difference what your pedigree is. And it makes no difference that you're the children of David and the promise of the kingdom to David, because I'm going to deal with this situation. So you might like what the message was last verse, but now that I've showed you the application that this is really a testament of God's impending judgment, all of a sudden, you're not going to like this message. Look at verse number 14. And I will dash them one against another, even the fathers and the sons together. Uh, Dash them. In other words, the bottles of of wine, that's the illustration. And a bottle was more of a jar, a big jar. And I'm going to smash this. This is going to smash together. The Bible says, even the fathers and the sons together, this will be a generational judgment. And the Bible says, saith the Lord, I will not pity, nor spare, nor have mercy, but destroy them. Boy, that sounds hard and harsh, doesn't it? But the point is, God has been exhibiting extra mercy and extra long suffering and has given extra time. And yet all of this extra has not been enough for them. And finally, the line will be drawn. And God said, When that time comes, then it's too late. There comes a line. I like what it says in Genesis chapter number six about the days of Noah. My spirit shall not always strive with man. So the the, the idea there is that God is working, God is drawing, God is pricking the hearts of. He's convicting. And yet the people are consistently saying no and no and no. And now uh, Jeremiah says, okay, let me give you this proverb. Everything's going to work out in the end. Oh, yes. God said, that's not what I'm talking about. Everything will uh, come to an end, but not the end that you're looking for. Look at verse number 15. Hear ye and give ear, be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. So Jeremiah gives this message, a message of that's the opposite of what they wanted to hear and what they thought they heard. But now Jeremiah adds his commentary, his application, and says, "Don't be proud. Listen for once. So even in a message of doom, even in this message of judgment, Jeremiah is saying, there's still a season in which you can humble yourselves. It's bad. But remember the Ninevites. To whom Jonah gave a message of judgment. Jonah gave them no hope. Read the message that Jonah preached to them in Jonah chapter four. It wasn't a message of hope or conditionality. No, it was a message of complete and utter judgment. And yet, what happened? They did humble themselves, and God did uh, did not follow through on that judgment. He gave them mercy. And so the point is that even the announcement of judgment itself is a mercy. Think about that. Even the announcement of judgment itself is a mercy of God. God doesn't have to warn. God doesn't have to say, I'm going to do this. The fact that he's saying that is itself an expression of the grace of God. Verse number 16, along with being humble, verse number 15, give glory to the Lord your God. In other words, uh, find your value in him. Give him the glory that he's due, due. Turn from your idols and turn from yourselves and your own imaginations and your pride. Humble yourselves and give glory to God. And then uh, it says in verse 16, before he caused darkness, before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. Yeah, can you imagine walking a very treacherous or thin mountain path in the dark. And the Bible says, and while you look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. Think about how desperately we need light uh, during dangerous times. We need light when we travel down these dangerous paths. We need light when we are facing a murky future. And when we say no to God and to God's glory, the light of His glory, then we're inviting darkness, and nothing good can happen in that kind of darkness. Verse number seventeen. But if you will, if but if you will not hear it, see that boy. I'm praying you'll hear it. Jeremiah, please be humble, give God glory, ask for the light of God again. But if you will not hear it, my soul shall weep. In secret places for your pride. Mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. Jeremiah said, But if you won't repent, I'm not going to take joy in that. that that's not going to give me some kind of a sordid pleasure. If you reject my counsel, my preaching, if you say no to God, I'll weep, I'll mourn, I'll cry. That's the heart of a true minister. Not, not the heart of, well, I told them, you know I, I preached, yeah, they should have listened to me. That's not the heart of a true minister. No, the heart of a true man of God is a heart of, 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 of weeping and, and sorrow when God's people don't listen. The heart of the heart of a father for a wayward child or a mother for a wayward child that's the heart of Jeremiah is it any wonder that people mistook Jesus as a reincarnated Jeremiah read about that Matthew chapter 16 why because Jesus i think had that same pathos that same heart for people uh, verse number 18 say unto the king and to the queen humble yourselves this is Jeremiah speaking humble yourselves sit down For your principalities, in in other words, the the rule and the reign that you have, your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory. Hey, Jeremiah is making a special appeal to the leadership. Hey, would somebody listen? Would somebody humble themselves? And, And leaders, king, queen, if you would do this, then surely the people would follow. I think this begins at the top. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And it's important in national revival that leaders take the lead in humility. I I think of Nehemiah as the king's cupbearer. When he heard about how bad things were back in Jerusalem, he humbled himself. He prayed. He took responsibility. That's what leaders do. They take responsibility and ownership and initiative, even in offering humble prayers. Verse number 19, the cities of the South shall be shut up and none shall open them. Judah shall be carried away captive, all of it. It shall be wholly, entirely, carried away captive. And No one's going to escape. Uh, the attack will come from the north, will descend all the way down to the south, so that even the southernmost cities will be affected by this complete, entire invasion by Babylon. Last verse, I'll read verse 20. Lift up your eyes. Behold them that come from the north. That's where the army was going to come, the invaders that come from the north. Where is the flock that was given thee, thy beautiful flock? Here's Jeremiah just lamenting. Where is the beautiful flock of God? The one that should be shepherded by him, cared for by him, protected by him, fed by him. Where are they? It's a a rhetorical question. They're gone why because the evil flock stealer babylon has come down and scattered the flock and stolen the flock and pillaged the flock and killed the flock where is the beautiful flock of god it is no more because like a dumb sheep she he has run away from the shepherd what a sad commentary that is and what a sad Uh, saying that will be, or was, I should say, for Jeremiah as he watched all these things unfold. We're going to stop there in verse number 20. For sake of time, we'll jump right back in and finish the chapter next episode. I hope you'll join us for that. Verse number 21 uh, tomorrow. Until then, God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend.